One of my favorite deeper dives of 2023 was the one we did with Nurse Nikki on the new mastitis protocol. We got so many great questions and comments during the deeper dive from all those who attended live. Shout out to Naomi, who told us at the end that she was going to fix all her care plans right away. Same, Naomi. Use the link in the show notes to subscribe and have monthly live access to all of our deeper dives, as well as all of our recordings going all the way back to January of 2020. You don't want to miss out on this. And we can't wait to see you at the next deeper dive. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Well, hey, Leah. Hey, Annie. How are you doing this week? I am I am good. You know, I'm always good when you ask me that <laughs> question, because you know, what am I going to do? Say, well, I'm terrible. But I know, right? <laughs> You know, I have my ups and downs like anybody. I have my moments when I'm so tired and bad oh, things that happen, but I do try to, it's not hard to get positive when we're recording these podcasts because of how much I love talking about this stuff and love talking about it with you. And especially today, because we are doing part two of our listener questions. And I just can tell you that like having a hard week, but then opening up a spreadsheet and seeing survey results filled with people who are asking amazing questions out of their deep desire to be great lactation consultants. Like it's just, it's good medicine. It really is. It's such a reminder that we're all in this together. I mean, sometimes when we're in the deep, deep dregs of day in and day out lactation work and, oh, these struggles and feeling overwhelmed with maybe too much work or not enough work, it can sure feel nice to come home to my family of LCs. That's what this feels like, like just coming home to my crew and we're getting to chat and talk about these things. So I love these listener questions. I can't, I can't wait till the next time we get to ask more um, and do more of these because this has been such a fun one to do. Definitely. Well, today's episode is sponsored by the IBCLC Private Practice Essential Toolkit with resources, trainings, and all kinds of goodies designed to make your lactation consultant private practice efficient, enjoyable, and sustainable. And we're giving you 10% off if you use code podcast at checkout, and you can go to paperlessibclc.com slash toolkit to learn more. Awesome. And that is like an essential. If you have a private practice, you need the toolkit. I use it all the time, refer back to it all the time. It's been such an amazing help for my business as well. So thank you, Annie, for creating that. And thank you for sponsoring today's podcast. <laughs> well, sure thing. So, <laughs> so speaking of making your business strong, Leah, what's your marketing tip for us this week? 
So my marketing tip is to create memes and add your logo and website to the meme and share on social media because it's a great way that it will circulate around. Um, Certainly if you can do something more local based is great too, because you might get more local circulation, but no matter what, I think it's a, if it's something fun and catchy or a really neat fact. So I just literally crack open textbooks and start trying to find a fun fact. And then I can reference the textbook and stick my logo and my website on there. And there you go. You're off and rolling with a meme that hopefully will get shared widely. I love to share a good meme made by (laughs) another lactation consultant. I have to say that is some, uh, content creation for me too is like, Oh, look, you know, Leah made this great meme. Now I've got something to share on my Instagram feed and everybody wins. And so definitely like share the love, make your own memes, share other people's memes. And while you're on social media, check out our Facebook page for lactation business coaching. Cause we will, we'll share your meme. We'll totally yeah. share. Your meme. <laughs> we like to share anything that's going to um, help you with your business and um, also keep you know, keep you up to date on local events, um, that we're involved in. Um, so we'd love to interact with you there and, and, you know, get to know you better. Um, and speaking of getting to know all of you better. So we've got our listener questions part two today, Leah, what is our first listener question for this episode? What is in your home visit kit? And I assume they mean bag or kit or what do you bring to home visits? And I think this one is so good. And I, I know we're only going to have just mine and yours, uh, but I can't wait to hear people share comments or start threads about what are in the home visit kits. Cause I'm sure we all kind of have some different things in our, um, in our tool bags. But uh, so for me personally, I carry a, like a small, tote bag, I bet guess that has like a more solid bottom. So in the bottom of it, I have a couple of um, things. I have like a legal notepad in case I ever need to write down or my, um, you know, computer were to give out or something. I have that. I actually have a paper chart, like a full paper chart in case my iPad ever died. I have, um, a stack of care plans in case the family would prefer us to handwrite a care plan. And, um, and then I have some pens and my box of gloves. I have a couple of handouts that are ones that I bought that you can't scan in and send out. So I have a couple of those. I have a paste bottle feeding one. I have a pacifier one and a bottle introduction one that I really love. Um, so I keep those with me and we'll sometimes hand those out. I, I have those same handouts and I love them. And we are going to make sure there's a link in the show notes so you can find them because no, you cannot scan them. You can't make them PDFs. You can't attach them and they they're great. And, um, a lot of them have um, their English on one side and Spanish on the other side. Yes. Yep, that's the ones I got. So I love those. And okay, so then I have my demo boob. My my colleague, Heather, she found these like squishy from China stress balls that are actually a breast, you know, but they are the 
best demo boob ever. And so I have my demo boob in one little, it's like got pockets all around. So I got my demo boob in one pocket. I carry a noggin stick and um, another little rattle. If I'm dealing, like if I'm working with older babies, that has come in so handy. I cannot tell you how much that like works so well. And then I have, um, I, did I say my box of gloves? I have my box of gloves, kind of probably the main thing. And then I have my stethoscope. I have a little bag that has like my checkout stuff. So it has my card reader and the charger for my card reader and all that like stuff is all put together. And it also has business cards in there. And, um, Oh my goodness. I'm trying to think. I should have written down a whole list because I'm trying to like go around the pockets of my bag. Um, and then I, because of where I work and I know this is different for you, I actually keep a big tote in my car that has a lot of, um, like the excess supplies. Like I don't carry in a million nipple shields and all this stuff. I just have it all in my tote. So I might have like one or two nipple shields in my bag. I have a couple of baggies with the mammy vac nipple shields in them in my bag at all times. Um, and I carry my masterclass cards with me everywhere I go. So that I so can, do I. <laughs> yep, I've got that little masterclass cards on a ring. Yes. doll. Yeah. Oh, yes. And my baby doll. That's the other thing. I'm like, there's something giant in there that I can't figure out what fills up this bag. I think that's everything that I carry in my bag. But again, I do a lot of if I need something else, I have a big tote in my car that I carry kind of everything else that I could potentially need because I don't like dragging around a lot of stuff in my bag with me. And oftentimes I don't need more than that those items right there. What do you carry? Oh, you know what? I lied. One more thing. My like lactation aid setup. So the five French feeding tube, I carry the Medela two and a half ounce sterile bottles in case they didn't have a bottle. I mean, that rarely happens, but I do have that like an emergency backup and one of the disposable nipples, uh, if I was going to rig up a whole system for them, but in my car, like I have a whole SNS in there. I have hand pump in my car. I have a bunch of other supplies. Okay. So what's in your bag? Amy? I have a lot of the same things as you. I've got the, the five French tubes. I've got the, um, the syringes for finger feeding. Um, oh, yes, I, have I have that too. <laughs> yeah. I have like the little tiny ones for, um, for colostrum and I've got the larger ones, um, that can connect to the tube. Um, I have the curved syringes. Um, I have a lactate and an SNS that I use just for demo purposes. Um, because honestly I can't afford to be giving those out. They're too expensive So yeah. to just show them the setup and then they have to buy it themselves. Um, and I'll come back and work with them on it. Um, but I do have, I will give out the, the tubes and the syringes. Those I have enough, um, and they're in the sterile packaging. I've got my gloves. I've got my baby doll, my masterclass card. We're going to link to the IPCLC masterclass in the show notes. It's a training that Lee and I have both done that we highly recommend. They do it several times a year. Um, I have my demo boob. Mine is a crocheted demo boob and I do use it all the time. My children were playing catch with it the other day. <laughs> I, I keep my stuff in. I do have to, I, I have at times had a something in the trunk of my car just for storage, mostly 
Um, like I would restock, but now I just keep everything in my bag. I have nipple shields in there. Um, and one, okay. So I have like a terrible bag situation right now. I'm constantly on the hunt for a great consult bag. And I've seriously tried everything. I will like buy a new bag. Like it's my job. (laughs) Um, So my scale that I have is I do bring a scale to visits. I know that in other, some countries, um, that's not happening as much as it is here in the U S because you've got better, better postpartum care for families. They get to actually see healthcare providers more than at, at, one week and two months. Um, so I do bring a scale with me. I've got the Marsden scale that's in a rucksack, which is great because, um, I've also worked with a Tanita and a, the Medela baby way and carrying a scale on one shoulder that like for, like if I have to walk 10 minutes to get back to where I park my car, it's too much. Um, I know that some of my colleagues, they'll keep their, um, their scales. They get the big rolling suitcases for their scales. Yeah, and I am, just not coordinated enough apparently <laughs> to navigate a big suitcase, even a small suitcase on crowded city streets. So I've got my scale is in the backpack because that's the biggest item I carry. And then I've got a tote bag um, that has all my stuff in it. But honestly, it's very hard to manage my scale in my backpack, my tote bag, and then my purse and oh, yeah. to, like, get it and just walk down the streets. And I've had some like like recently like just where I just felt like, and I have my coffee in my hand, um, <laughs> refer to last week's episode to learn more <laughs> about my, my bad coffee habits, but I'm like juggling a million things and my car keys and my phone to find out where like I'm going, walking down own. like crowded streets in the rain, in the snow. Oh and it's not really my, my, my carrying situation is not working for me right now. Like mm. it's, it's just, it really, I really need help there. I'm definitely open to recommendations. Like I would love to find a big, big backpack that could fit my scale and my, and the stuff I want to bring to the consult. So I was looking at like softball bags and baseball bags, like for sports. And I found one that was the perfect size, but apparently baseball bags, the opening at the top is baseball bat. Oh yeah. I can't fit a scale through there. So anyway, post in the, in the comments, if you know the bag for me and and also, um, I, I did have flyers in there, um, but I recently didn't have, we only have one car in our family and my husband was using it. So I was using rideshare to get to a consult, um, because I can't, I, I know like hats off to my colleagues in New York city who take public transportation, but oh my get from Queens to Brooklyn, you can't do it by public oh, transportation. Wow. I don't have all day. My babysitter costs way too much money for me to, I would, I, I will save money by paying for a ride share versus the childcare that it would take me to get somewhere by train. So, um, they, but they offer you, sometimes they offer you water and I, I always, I, I always say yes to the water, um, unless it's Nestle water, but usually, <laughs> um, usually the, the Costco water. I will say though, on the whole purse situation. So what I've been doing is I, um, I just take my wallet out and there's a little side pocket on my bag that I stick my wallet in. And then I hide my purse and, you know, like there's nothing else in it. So even if somebody took it, it's whatever, but I, um, I just carry that. So I have that like in my bag on my work days, my wallet is stays in my bag the whole time. So at least I don't have an extra bag. And I know my situation is so different because I'm driving up to people's houses or their apartments and parking like right there. So 
can't imagine lugging all my stuff as far as you lug. I guess your chiropractor is staying employed <laughs> Yes, I do see the because of the scale. No, it is. And no, it's bad. It, it's not, it's, it's not good. And my water bottle that I got from this rideshare driver opened in my bag and melted ah! all of my paper handouts that I have oh, to now replace. No. And that's why my kids were tossing my demo boob around because I took everything out of my consult bag and they're like, what's that? <laughs> this is our new favorite thing we've ever had. They're like, it's a boob, throw the boob. Well, you know what? My kid thought it was an onion. <laughs> It was a crocheted boob and I had it sitting on my counter, but we have a bunch of like, well, this was a couple of years ago. We have, a, we had a bunch of like, um, pretend food, you know, and some of it was crocheted and some of it was, and so they're like, why do you have an onion on your desk, mom? And I was like, it's not an onion. And I don't know why you think it's an onion, but it's a boob. Um, but that's, that's awesome. And whoa, we need to really work on, maybe we need to have a whole, uh, consult, a, a whole show just about, um, the ins and outs and life hacks of consults, because it definitely sounds like we all need everybody's help for sure. For sure. So we're going to move on to the next question. So speaking of home visits, we talk a lot about home visits and thank you to the listener who said, I love the episode about home visits after doing a home visits for a number of years. I could totally relate to so many of those little nuances. Thank you. We've gotten that feedback from a lot of people and it's just so nice to be like, I do it the same way. And and then I feel like I'm not just making this up. I'm doing something real. Um, So this listener says, I've recently begun working in a pediatric office and I'm learning how to make those consults more efficient. I would love to hear Leah walk us through a typical office consult. And so would I, because I don't do one, but it's my dream to have an office one day. So maybe you could tell us what makes office consults different. And um, because I I do see a lot of people... um, having their office consults are shorter than the home visits. So what what makes that difference? I'm going to take just a minute to tell you about Kathy's upcoming course. It is called Understanding Infant Reflux and Related Conditions in Lactation Practice. Early bird pricing is open now through May 16th, and which is the day May 16th when all of the course content is going to open. We've got six hours of recorded videos, plus an additional two SERPs. So that's eight L SERPs total for self-study work that Kathy is going to be grading and reviewing and giving you feedback on. So Kathy, you put your heart and soul into this course. I know all of the research that you did. What is one of the things that you're most excited about teaching learners in this course? Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't pay any attention to occult blood in the stool. I've actually had a couple of moms on elimination diet because of a positive occult blood test in perfectly happy, healthy babies. And this makes really no sense at all. But that's one of the little take-home messages. There are many. It's filled with nuggets and gems like that. Every second of this training is going to give you things that you're going to be able to use in your private practice. So definitely sign up for that. You'll have once you're in, you're going to have all the way until May of next year to get through this content because it's stuff that you're going to want to watch and rewatch again. So we're so excited that Kathy put this course together for us. And 
and y'all are all going to cringe because you're going to think I'm crazy. But in our pediatric clinic, we do one hour initial visits and 45 minute follow up visits. So I know y'all are all going, how could you ever do a full visit? Let me reassure you first that rarely do we ever see a family one time. So that it's basically like we're doing probably what we always do, but we're doing it broken out in multiple visits. So most of the time we're seeing families two to three times. So if that helps anybody, because whenever I say that people are like, there's no way you could ever do a full visit. Um, no, I, and, and then there's a lot of structure around what we do. So I, I have people come in that have already put all demographic information, like everything's already in my computer, ready to go. I don't have to review a whole lot of like, did they put this in? Did they put that in? Did they sign the consent? Somebody else is worrying about all of that stuff. So that, you know, takes some time off. And also the environment's all set up for me to be very efficient. So I have, you know, I don't have to go set up a scale. I don't have to find a place that we're going to meet. I don't have to make sure the mom has what she needs. Um, so there are some things just with the structure of how an office visit is set up that makes it much more efficient. And then, so right when we get into the visit, I usually try to get the the history of, and I have kind of a really structured approach when it's in my office because I um, we're not going to have those nuances of like, well, where would you like to meet? Oh, you have a beautiful home. I love this picture. You know, like those little things you don't do as much. Um, but I definitely greet the family and try to, and connect with them in some way. I usually ask like, oh, is this first baby for you? It's so exciting. You guys got out of the house safely and made it here. Um, that's a great first step as a parent, you know, just things like that to get them welcome. And then, um, so I go right into, I let the family know how the consult's going to run. So I'll tell them first, I'm going to get just some health history for you, mom, just what's happened in the past, um, prior to pregnancy, during the pregnancy, the delivery, and then we'll talk about breastfeeding since then. So that I just have my own little script and then I just start going down my questions. Bam, bam, bam. I have um, pretty structured questions in my template on their EHR. So it's really nice because I can just go through really quickly um, and then we can jump right into the breastfeeding. And usually once that starts, when I start hearing about that, then I'll have um, whoever the support person is with the, the breastfeeding parent, the support person, I'll ask them to start getting the baby undressed. We have a little changing table in the room. So while the breastfeeding parent and I are still talking, then the support person will be getting the baby undressed down to just a clean diaper. And that usually takes just a couple minutes and then the baby's ready to eat. So we go out, we weigh them, I get their weight put in and then we start working on whatever issue there is. So if it's latching or milk transfer, whatever the issues are. Um, and so it's, it's really quite efficient. Uh, the longest thing is, is like the feeding time. So I think that can only, that can be where the challenge is, but I know that I can get all that first part done in like 15 or so minutes. And so I have like 45 minutes and if the feedings are taking 45 minutes or more to get done, then I know that might be a red flag that the baby's not being so efficient. So it actually helps helps me a little bit too. Cause sometimes in a home visit, I feel like time just kind of goes away. And I, next thing I know, I'm like, Oh, we've been doing this for a really long time. You know, I have to be more mindful. So I think it's just the structure and environment really helps as well. And then, um, 
on the follow-up visits, we already have all that history there and we're able to just like kind of pop back in to right where we were last time. So that's how I make it work. I know it seems if you've only ever done office, I mean, home visits, it seems completely insane that you could do a visit in an hour, but please know that we, we see them multiple times. So usually they'll come back within three or four days. Um, usually the same week, we see them two times in the same week for almost everybody that we see there. So that's really great. Cause we kind of break it up for the family as well and get to check in on them. But I love my office visits and it's super efficient. We see usually like eight, eight families a day. Um, when we're in the office. So, and we're there five days a week now. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's, it's busy. My personal dream is I would love to get to where I'm doing initial visits or home visits, and then all follow-up is happening in an office. But I don't know that when that would happen, my kids will have to be a lot bigger. And, um, but you know, for me to even think about that, but to, to carve out one day a week where I'm like definitely going to be in a place is kind of hard to think about, but I do, I am drawn to that. But, you know, as you said, in our episode on home visits, like home visits, they have your heart for a reason because they are just so special. And it is something that I just wish, you know, more healthcare was like what could happen during a home visit. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so, um, they're so different to me. Like the, the way I am in a home visit, I feel like is almost different, you know, cause just the efficiency aspects of the office visit, everything's a bit more fast paced. So I think I, I am drawn to both of them, but definitely the home visits are, are like more chill and relaxed. It's, it's just a nice environment, yeah. but I encourage anybody who's doing office visits and has more insight on how they help it to run efficiently. Definitely share with us. We'd love to hear from others. This is just one aspect of it all. So please, please share with us. Well, we have one more question that we're going to answer today. And that is, um, an unresolved question from the imposter syndrome podcast. So if you didn't listen to that, ask um, that podcast or don't know what the heck we're talking about when we say imposter syndrome, please refer back to that podcast because it was a really great one as well. But the question is, as a newer IBCLC, how do you deal with the fact that you let your clients down because you don't know as much as experienced IBCLCs? I'm still learning. If I knew more, I could serve them better. And I think this is such an important question because I feel like we probably all feel like this, even though you're saying like, oh, I'm new and this is why I'm feeling like that. I have this thought all the time that there is probably some LC out there that would be have the magic booby fairy wand and like ding all these issues away. And I just don't know how to tap into the magic booby fairy wand and I'm not using it. So I just think it's so, so important for us to all acknowledge that you are not alone. And even us that have been doing this, I've been working with moms and babies for like 15 years. And I still feel like there's more I could know. I don't know everything. Annie, how do you feel about this? I'm sure you're with me on this one. I mean, there, there are definitely times where I'm like, ah, like, I don't, I just don't know as much about this as I need to, or find yourself facing a situation where you're like, oh my gosh, I've never had this before. And so I have to look it up and that's really stressful. And, you know, I think that, um, 
just to kind of address the heart of the question is that, you know, you're worried that you're going to let your clients down and you're feeling like your lack of experience or knowledge is going to hurt your clients. And, you know, I think that that is an important, that's a good, that's good that you're worried about that. I think we all should be worried about that. I think because we're aiming to provide the best possible care for our clients. So I think, I don't think any good clinician is out there saying, Oh, I, I, I know everything. I can do everything. I know everything that should not be coming out of your mouth. So as good clinicians, we should be asking questions. We should be seeking out support. We should be looking things up. And if there are areas where you feel like you need to learn more, then learn more. And what what you're not going to do is you're not going to reach out to the most experienced IBCLC you know and say, "Hey, can I pick your pick your brain?" You're not going to do that. You're gonna you're gonna offer to pay for the training that you need. Because yeah. the people who have the who have the skills that you want to acquire earn those and value their time and ask them what what compensation they want for teaching you what they know and um, helping you on your journey to becoming a better lactation consultant. Absolutely, and I think it's important that we remember that every you know, the world of lactation is always changing. We're always learning, and we all should be questioning like is, is, um, is there more I could learn about this aspect or that aspect? If, if you're feeling a lot of imposter syndrome around something like, let that be a guide for you to like, well, maybe I want to feel more confident in this area where I'm not feeling like an imposter. Okay. Let me go look at what classes I could take about that or what I could learn about that. So I think this is a really good question and we're all started somewhere. You know, we all started in the beginning and had to learn and grow. So having uh, resources too, um, you might connect with maybe an ongoing mentor that you have some arrangement with how you're going to compensate them for their time. But as you're starting out, that's a great way to um, just have like a, a dial in when you're having a hard case and you know, this person has agreed to kind of mentor you as you're starting out. And, um, and then us, those of us that have been around a long time, this is a great way to support those newer LCs coming in and doing this hard work that we're doing is, is to offer some mentorship. It doesn't have to be on the phone with them every day, but when they run across maybe some harder cases that you're saying to them, I'm available and this would be my fee to talk to you for X amount of minutes or whatever. And I think this can be a really great way that we can, can help other newer LCs have acquire good skills. Cause we know just taking the test does not give you this, the book knowledge, you know, like you really have to have all these like in the trenches kind of learning that happens. And it's great when you can do that in an environment that's um, supported by mentors. And if you're in an area where there are other lactation consultants, this is a great place for your local USLCA chapter to do some work and have some in-person meetups and, um, invite a, you know, invite a, another kind of care provider to come in and talk to you about what they do or what they have to offer and, um, you know, network with your other lactation consultants and learn together with them and, and building those relationships, uh, locally. And if you are in an area where you don't have 
local colleagues, then um, finding ways to build that virtual community, that safe place where you can explore clinical ideas um, and grow together with other people. Um, so I, you know, I definitely think you can't do this on your own. You need other people and, um, and other people need you. Absolutely. That is a great way to put it, Annie. <laughs> so as we wrap up today, Annie, I know that you have a wonderful tech tip that we need from you. So let us know what you got. <laughs> uh, so my tech tip is more like on the mechanical side of things. Um, if you are using a scale in your practice, I just want to have you put a reminder in whatever kind of system you have to get your scale calibrated regularly, um, sending it into a licensed company that will do scale calibrations to make sure it's working properly. They'll put a sticker on it that says it was calibrated and to um, just not let that fall by the wayside. Um, because if you are using scales to do weighted feeds, and if that's an important part of your clinical process, you want to make sure you're your scale is doing what you are saying that it does and that you're not working off of faulty information. So when you're looking for a scale calibration service, you want to look for a company that is licensed, definitely check the reviews and make sure they're familiar with how your scale works. I went through yeah. the process recently. It was terrifying um to send my my baby away I know it feels and, like it feels like you're sending away this like precious bag of gold like don't hurt my baby it came back and it was fine it I know I had to do tell. I actually would you believe this I dropped my scale oh, and I, I so I had to send it into it was Medela it was a Medela scale and so I had to send it all the way in they kept it for a whole month so I had to rent another scale while it was gone um but you know the crazy thing is it was still I have a calibration tool that I check my scales on I mean uh, and it's a certified weight that I do checking now I can't do calibration because I need two of them and I don't want to buy, buy two of them but um but it was still reading right, or and so, which was crazy because I could see that it was not right, and um, but I still sent it in. So you just don't want to just trust it, like ah, oh, it's fine, it doesn't look too banged up. You really want to make sure that our tools that we're using, that we're saying are legitimate tools, are actually calibrated and and being used in the recommended way. And it's everybody is going to drop something. And I know. I'm so sad when I dropped it. I was like, no, <laughs> luckily I was really, cause I was going into a visit and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't use the scale now. But right around the corner, I mean, just pure luck was the place that I know rent scale. So oh, I literally awesome. called the client. I'm like, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. I had an issue with my scale and I like ran around the corner. I rented a scale, ran back to the client and still made it out on time. Yay. Well done. Well done. <laughs> it was pure luck. Oh, well, it's been so great talking to you again today, Annie, and getting to answer these fun listener questions. I can't wait till our next round of this. So stay tuned, guys, so that you guys will hear when we're going to be calling out for more listener questions. So I'm sure these questions have sparked more questions and things or topics that you would like to hear Annie and I talk about. And um, so stay tuned. We'll make sure that we get that announcement out to you, but it's been great talking with you today, Annie. Great talking with you too, Leah. Have a great week. You too. Bye. Bye.
If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Did you know that for just $15 a month, you can join our live deeper dives and also get all of our recordings back through January of 2020? Sign up today and be part of the conversation. The magic happens when you show up.